You see that stupid number in your checking account? It's called wasted potential. Now I'm gonna let you in on a little secret about something called a portfolio. And it's not gonna build itself, okay? Without you, it's just another number on a screen. Like a jungle full of bananas and no ape in sight. Well, I'm gonna take you to that jungle. Because in the case of these portfolios, it is gonna be up to each and every one of you. My speculative degenerates, my apes, and of course my apets, who will not hit the cell until your account either flies or flops and dies! Hello everyone, welcome to Always Picking Electric Securities, and I hope you had a good weekend. It's your host Alex Marku on November 15, 2021, and on today's episode for the podcast, I'll be talking about the options plays I had in mind from last week. I'll be recapping the bets I gave out this last weekend, along with the slate I have for Monday and Tuesday. And then I'll wrap up the episode with a little teaching moment on how you can invest in yourself if you're not ready to invest in the stock market. Financial Disclaimer Since this is an investing podcast, I will give out the disclaimer that everything I do on this podcast has the potential to reach 100% loss. Hello, apes and all retail investors that think alike. Are y'all ready for the first portfolio update? For starters, the cost basis for GameStop in this portfolio is going to be $202.14, since that is Friday's open market price. We did it, apes. We got a share of GameStop in here. So there really shouldn't be too much for the portfolio update today, considering I only have four securities. I've got $50 worth of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Doge, and then I have my one share of GameStop. But this weekend's betting went so well that it actually raised the portfolio's value. After the conclusion of Sunday Night Football and all the bets have concluded, I can tell you that the betting account is now valued at $320. I started this thing with $250. But as you can tell from the excitement in my voice, this is no matter to get too excited about right now because this is betting and it's super volatile. But regardless, I'm still able to report that the first portfolio update is in the green. My portfolio with gambling, stocks, and crypto so far is valued at $1,070, which is about $70 more than I put in. But the fun doesn't stop there. We don't withdraw. We just keep playing with cash. Alright, since I got the first podcast's portfolio update out of the way, let's move on to the options plays I have in mind for this week. For those of you who are unsure of options, I'll briefly explain it to you the best way I can. So when you purchase an options contract, you're essentially betting that the price is going to go up or down. If you place a call, you're betting that the price is going to go up, and if you place a put, you're betting that the price is going to go down. The price of an options contract depends on what the value of the actual stock is and at what value you placed your call or put at. I'm about to give you two examples soon with the options contract I have in mind for this podcast, and hopefully by the end of this week you'll understand how options contracts work. If you're a little confused, just hang tight, listen through, and maybe don't do anything. Let me put all the risk up front, and then you can determine if this is something for you. So last week, I gave you a sneak peek into the two stocks I was going to look into buying options for this week. 
Those stocks are Super League Gaming and Cortezyme. The tickers SLGG for the first one and CRTX for the second one. So let me dive into Super League Gaming first since that's the stock I have more conviction in. For starters, if the name doesn't give it away, they're a gaming company, but they are more than that. For the small gaming company they are considered to be, the services they provide already are Minehut, Framerate, and SLG.TV, which is an esports gaming channel. Minehut is a large server that allows for world creation and games. One example you're probably most familiar with is Minecraft. Another one of the services Super League Gaming provides is Framerate, which is a way for video game users to get their content out on social media. And then the last service that they provide, which I think in the future is going to be one of the most important services, is eSports competitions and entertainment on SLG.TV. Like I've stated on earlier shows, I believe that the video game industry has a huge untapped market, and the good thing is, there's a huge foundation in place already built up. Now that you have some basic information on the company, let me dive into the options chain. So as of right now, Super League Gaming is trading at a price just above $4. I believe on Friday they closed at a price of $4.03, so as of this recording, since it's on Sunday, they're still at $4.03. So now that you know the stock I'm looking into is $4, let me explain what kind of call option I'm trying to place. If I thought the price was going to go below $4, I would want to place a put. But I think this stock is going to go up in the future, and with this kind of trade, I can guess by what time in the future it has to reach the price I think it'll reach. For this portfolio, I have two contract dates that I'm considering for Super League Gaming. That's next year, April 14, 2022, and two years from now, January 20th, 2023. And the reason I'm looking this far into the future is because this is the deadline that I want to place for my bet. So, let's take a deep dive into the numbers. And if you're confused while I'm saying anything, just tune me out and at the very end I'll explain everything in a much simpler version. As of November 12, 2021, the prices for the options chain for Super League Gaming goes as this. For April 14, 2022, a $5 call is valued at $0.93 cents per contract and a $7.50 call is valued at $0.61 cents per contract. For January 20th, 2023, which is a little over two years from now, a $5 call is valued at $1.74 per contract, and a $7.50 call is valued at $1.45 per contract. So now that I've given you a quote for some options contract, let me try and dumb it down with one of the contracts I'm actually looking at for this portfolio. Out of all the options I listed, the one I'm really looking into is a $7.50 call that expires April 14th, 2022. It's valued at $0.61 cents per contract, which means if I wanted to buy this trade, I would actually be spending $61 for it. The reason this is, is because every contract is tied to 100 shares. Now at some point in the future, I'll have a teaching moment on the derivatives market and I'll go more in depth into what options are. But for now, just take my word for it, and if you're still confused about this whole episode so far and what options trading is, I recommend you just sit this one out a little bit. But if you really want to get involved, look up some YouTube videos or just keep following along on this podcast and I'm sure to relay all the information of all my options activities to you. Eventually, I know you're smart enough to figure it out. And then you can decide if options trading is something that fits your portfolio. 
So now if I had to explain what I just said to a five-year-old, I would tell him that I'm betting this stock is going to be at least $7.50 by April 14, 2022. And right now, as of November 14, 2021, the value of the stock is $4. So I'm basically betting that it's going to double within six months at least. So now I'm going to let you know why I think this stock has potential to double, even reach $10 in my opinion. And it has nothing to do with fundamental trading. It has everything to do with technical analysis. Which means I looked at the one-year chart, and based off of previous price actions, I'm guessing and trying to predict what the price has a chance to reach at some point in the future. So by looking at the chart, one thing that clearly stood out to me was the huge price jump in April. Super League Gaming went from about $250, $3 range to $10, a huge spike within a couple of weeks. Since they topped off at their high of over $10 in April, they've slowly been consolidating back. But I believe that recently, Super League Gaming has broken this downward sloping consolidation phase and they're starting to trend back upwards, which is why I have a very bullish view of this stock. Not only that, but in terms of technical analysis, I'm a huge believer that if something is going to go back up, there's going to be retest points. So what I did is look at the whole year chart and try and determine what the retesting points might be. I noticed that one of the retesting points at the low margin was just under $3. So the fact that Super League Gaming bounced off of $3 and started going back up means that it retested the lows of 3 and it quickly rejected it so with the price is now moving upwards. My next retesting point I believe is around the $6 mark. My only reason that the retest is at $6 is because the last time this stock traded around there was at some point in mid-June. But if you were to look at the one-year chart, it kind of looks like the $6 mark is where a lot of prices were rejected and downtick started happening. And I know that the stock is $2 away from this $6 retest point, but I strongly believe that if this stock can inch its way to $6 and if it finds its way above, that it's going to rocket back to at least that $10 range it hit in April. So I hope I gave you enough information as to why I'm looking into buying this option. And I guess the only question left is how am I going to execute this trade on this podcast? Well, like I said earlier, I'm going to place a buy limit. And unlike the buy limit I placed on GameStop so it could automatically trigger the next day, I'm going to be placing a buy limit that's underneath the market price. And then at some point during the week, if the options contract I want gets valued below my buy limit, it's going to trigger the price. That's how I plan on buying options for this podcast. Unlike stocks, where I tell you which day I'm going to be buying it by putting a buy limit above the market price a day before, with options, I'm actually going to try and pick my price. Since the option I want for Super League Gaming is the 750 call that expires April 14th is valued at $0.61 cents per contract, I'll instead place a buy limit for $0.50 cents per contract. So if the trade doesn't take place today because the option never went below $0.50, cents, then don't worry. I'll keep placing this trade every day this week and hopefully it comes through. One last bit of final news before I move on to my next options play. Super League Gaming is going to have their third quarter's earning report today after hours. Analysts are expecting that the earnings per share is going to be negative $0.16. Cents. Last year, during the same quarter, it was negative 32 cents. On Wednesday, I'll be recapping their earnings report and I'll let you know if I was able to buy the options contract. Alright, Degenerates, this next option play is specifically for you. 
This trade scenario coming up and how I view speculative investing is going to show you how I trade on my personal account most of the times. You certainly aren't going to be getting as much information as I provided about Super League Gaming and why I think they're a good option play. As a matter of fact, the way I trade most of the time, I don't do all of this research. I go off of gut feeling a lot of the time. That and typically reading one or two articles. And if the first couple plays I've laid out for this podcast portfolio seem to be like a bore and it seems like I'm over explaining things, it's because I want to start becoming an investor that doesn't just go off of gut feeling. I want to start seeing things in the markets by reading financial statements and then reading articles and determining what might happen after. So let's jump right into it. The company I'm looking into is Cortezyme. Their ticker is CRTX. The only reason I'm going to be picking this stock as an option play is because I'm going to be going off of the broken fallacy that what goes down must come up. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, in the stock market, what goes down does not always translate to must come up. As a matter of fact, sometimes what goes down means it'll go down even more. But don't let things scare you like that. Because if they did, you would never learn the true mistakes in the market and you would never grow as a person. Cortezyme, in my opinion, is a really risky play but I'm about to put it on this podcast to show you how I like to trade most of the time. And this has a lot of potential for a huge upswing. And the reason I think it has a lot of potential to shoot up is because of the nasty fall it just recently took. This stock closed at $44.17 and then after reports of bad news, it dropped to $13.51 overnight. If you held this stock before, I'm really sorry because that's about a 70% drop. So what was the bad news? Well from the one article I read a couple days after their crash, it looks like one of the Alzheimer pills they've been working on which was in phase 2 of 3 trials, showed that there was no statistical significance that the drug improved cognitive or functional abilities. Now I'm not going to lie to you and say this is good or bad news because I really don't know. And I decided to do my due diligence to read two whole articles and I was able to find that there were conflicting points of view. One article was saying how this could be a bad thing and the other was saying how this could actually be a positive thing. All I know is that a stock fell 70% and I want to hop in on an option play because if this thing goes back at least anywhere near the price it used to be, there's a lot of money to be made off of that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the kind of speculative trade I'm making with this stock. And unlike the last option trade where I picked the reasonable price point, like $4 to $7.50 is a reasonable price action movement within 6 months, I'm going to pick a contract for this so out of the money that it doesn't make any sense. But if we reach anywhere near it, we're going to make a lot of money. So the two dates I'm looking for as a deadline on this bet is December 17, 2021 and January 19th of next year, 2022. The reason this is a lot closer of a date is because I'm going to be honest with you guys. I actually don't believe in this company. I really don't even know about this company aside from this stock ticker and the two articles I read. That and their one-year chart movement. Aside from that, I've done zero research on this company. But I'm still going to put my money on this play because I saw them fall 70%. And if they can make up half of that, I'm cool with making those gains. So the last trading price that CRTX closed at was $14.26. The price that I think this stock could actually reach falls anywhere between $35 and $50. 
Or at least that's what I'm hopeful for. You see, I'm going to be buying a contract that's known as deep out of the money. The contract I bought for Super League Gaming might just be considered out of the money because it's not so far away from the strike price. Whereas this, it's a $14 stock and I'm going to put a price bet that in at least a month or two it's going to reach 50 Yeah, that's a gamble and a half. So what are the prices for these options? Well, for the options expiring December 17, 2021, any call, 35 40 45 or $50, is actually valued at about $0.10 cents a contract, which right now would mean it would cost $10 to buy that kind of a bet. If I wanted to buy myself some extra time on this bet because I really thought I was right, but it might not happen within the next month, what I would do is I would buy the January 19, 2022 call. Because the $35 call is valued at $0.30 cents per contract, a $40 call is $0.20 cents per contract, and then the $45 and $50 call are $0.10. Cents. So as you can see, the options that cost more are the ones that are put out longer in the future. And for this stock, the way I chose the $35 to $50 range is just by looking at the one-year chart. I looked at what prices the stock stayed around traditionally for the whole year. It seemed like the $35 range was the lowest point, and the $50 range was maybe the highest point. I definitely rounded down because I don't want to assume that the stock can reach its initial peak again. Now that I've given you the quotes that I'm given off of TD Ameritrade, I'm going to let you know the buy limits I'm going to set on these options. For the option expiring on December 17th, I'm probably going to buy the $35 call option for $0.10. Cents. I'm going to be putting a buy limit at $0.10. Cents. Yes, I know I said I was going to set it below the price limit, but when it comes to deep out of the money calls, these options are normally so cheap, I don't mind spending $10 for this bet. So just like Super League Gaming, I'm going to be trying to buy one option contract of CRTX at a $35 call that expires December 17th of this year. I'm going to put a buy limit for $0.10. Cents. Since this $35 call is only $0.10, cents, I want to buy another option and one that expires on January 19, 2022, just in case that one month period actually does make a difference. Except for what I'm going to be doing differently with the call option for January 19th is instead of buying a $35 strike price, I'm going to be buying a $45 strike price. So by January 19th of next year, I'm predicting that the price is going to be at least $45, and this option is also going to cost roughly $0.10. Cents. Or I'm going to be putting a buy limit for $0.10, cents, and if it hits that, then we're going to buy it. Now that I've given out three options plays for the upcoming week, I'm going to recap all of them, just in case you forgot what they were. So the first options play, which full disclosure I have way more conviction in, is in Super League Gaming, which the ticker is SLGG, and my plan is to buy a call for $7.50 that expires April 14th of 2022 at a buy limit price of $0.50 cents per contract. Remember, as of Friday, the price closed at $0.61 cents per contract. So I'm waiting for this option contract to eventually fall down and then buy in. My next two options plays are definitely more risky, but it's more reflective of how I've been trading so far. I'll be risking my money with the Cortezyme company, which goes by the ticker name CRTX, and I'm going to try and buy a $35 call that expires December 17th of this year at a buy limit of $0.10 cents per contract. And then the third option is going to be a $45 call that expires next year, January 19th of 2022. And I'm going to try and get in a buy limit price of $0.10 cents per contract for that one as well. So this week in a perfect world, 
If I'm able to buy my contracts, I'll be spending about $70 for these options, $50 on my Super League Gaming one, and then $10 apiece each on that outlandish bet that CRTX is going to at least double to triple in size anytime soon. Until next time, Abe out. Okay, degenerates and apes who are interested in my sports gambling segment, are you ready to hear which bets won over the weekend? Without wasting too much time, I'm going to get right into it. For our FIFA round robin, I had Italy winning and they actually wound up tying 1-1 with the Swiss. I had Denmark to win by 4 goals and unfortunately they won just 3-1 to Faroe Islands. I had England to win by at least 3 goals and they beat Albania easily 5-0. I had Finland to cover their spread, which was plus 0.5, and they actually wound up winning 3-1. I had France to cover their spread of 4 goals, and they destroyed Kazakhstan 8-0. I had North Macedonia to beat Iceland, and they won 3-1. I had Romania to cover the spread, which was to win by 3, and they only won 2-0, unfortunately. And I had the Netherlands to win by 2 goals, and they tied 2-2 to Montenegro. Now this round robin wound up going only 4 for 8, and on $28 risk, I wound up losing $5.24. The second round robin I created was a college basketball one. This one went a lot better. I had UCLA to win by 3, and they beat Villanova in overtime 86-77. I had Alabama to win by 13, and they won 104-88. I had Kentucky to win by 23, and they won by 40. I had Duke to win by 26, and unfortunately they just won by 11 to Campbell. I had Kansas to win by 26, and this one actually pushed. They won exactly by 26, meaning I got my money back on these bets. Then I also had Michigan in this slate to win by 23, and they won convincingly 77-49. to I had Gonzaga to beat Texas by 7, and they actually won by 12. And then I had Florida State to cover the spread at plus 1, but they actually wound up losing 55-71 to to Florida. And then if you remember correctly, I made two NFL round robins, and boy am I glad I did. Our first one was a round robin of NFL dogs for the Sunday slate. I wound up only going 4 for 8, but that's all I needed to do. On this slate, I had the Browns to beat the Patriots, but they got destroyed 45-7. to the Saints nearly beat the Titans, but they wound up losing 23-21. I had the Vikings to beat the Chargers, and they won 27-20. I had the Seahawks to beat Green Bay, and they got shut out. I had my favorite Philly team, the Eagles, to beat the Broncos, and boy am I glad they did that. And the Panthers absolutely destroyed the Cardinals 34-10 at home. The Raiders weren't able to pull it off against the Chiefs. And there was a really weird scenario this weekend in the NFL. The Lions and the Steelers tied, which I'm not sure if you know, but in Moneyline betting, a tie actually counts as a win. I don't know how this is, but it counted the Lions' win. By going 4 for 8 in my underdogs pick for the NFL slate and risking only $28 on this round robin, I actually netted $26.49. But wait, there's more. Remember how I said I had a second NFL pick? Well, this one was better. You see, I had the Cowboys to win by 8, and they destroyed the Falcons by 40. 
I had the Bills to win by 13, and they won 45 to 17. I had the Lions spread at 6.5, and, and since it was a tie, they covered. I had the Eagles money line, which they won 30 to 13, as stated before. The Panthers were able to cover easily. I had the Seattle and Green Bay game under 49.5 points, and they totaled 17. I had the Minnesota and Chargers game to go over 53.5, and, and unfortunately it was a touchdown short at 47. And then I had the Chiefs and Raiders game to go over 52, and the total score for that was 55 points. I went 7 for 8 with these bet picks, and by risking $28, I made $48.36. You're welcome if you followed that pick. This puts my weekend round robin bets at a total gain of $77. Isn't that something for a security? So I've recapped all of the picks I made over the weekend, and this is normally where I would be giving you some picks for Monday and Tuesday. But honestly, after looking at the slates for even FIFA, NBA, and the NFL, I just wasn't feeling it. I'll give you some personal bets I might lay out, but for Monday and Tuesday on this podcast, I'm actually going to give the gambling segment a break. I'm doing this primarily as a way to preserve the money, but also as a way to not get ahead of myself and try to overbet. I've done this on a personal level way too many times. So at least when it comes to this podcast, I'm going to try and treat it more professionally. With that said, I'll still give you some of the personal bets I plan on taking on Monday and Tuesday. But I don't want to put this podcast's money at risk with my degenerativeness. So the only bets I'll be making for Monday and Tuesday are going to be on my personal account. But if you want to know which ways I'm leaning right now, I'm leaning on the Rams to cover their spread, and I also really like the under in that game. Hopping over to FIFA, I like Denmark to get a win, I like Italy to cover the spread, I like Belgium to win, and France to win. Aside from that, I really don't like any other slates. I don't like any of the NBA games, I had no gut feelings on anything, so I'm not going to be making any picks. I'm still a degenerate and I still gamble every day on my personal account, but in terms of this podcast, I'm going to try and treat it more professionally. And if I don't think I have a good scoop on any games, I'm not just going to throw around my money like that. There shouldn't be too many episodes where I don't hand out picks, but whenever I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. Until next time, ape out. Hello class, welcome to today's teaching moment. Today's lesson's gonna be a little bit different, because instead of looking for sources online and compiling together a lesson plan, I'm gonna be speaking strictly from experience on why it's important to invest in yourself. Since this podcast can tend to be a little dense with numbers and investing advice, I've decided to give you all a little break today, and hopefully the story I tell you can inspire you in some way. If you've had the chance and you listened to my episode 0, you'll remember that I mentioned a point where I nearly had 3 cents in my checking account. So the story I'm going to share with the class is how I view that I've personally grown from that experience and what I did to do so. So why don't I start the story with the day I got hired back at Starbucks for round 2 in a different store. It was the summer of 2018 and I just got rehired again to work for Starbucks. This time it was at a different store. But I've worked here before, so I knew what I was in for. But I also had 3 cents in my account, 
So I wasn't complaining that I had a job, because I knew it was going to take a while to build my account back to what it used to be. Which as a college student wasn't even much, but it's definitely nice to not have three pennies in there. I mean, you've got cryptos that trade higher than that. Since this was the second time I was rejoining Starbucks, I'm not going to lie to you when I say I was kind of disappointed to be working in the same spot I literally left a couple years ago. To me, in that point in life, I was getting ready to transfer to a four-year college, and I was still working at Starbucks, which is how I started my community college career. It felt like I wasn't growing, and I was wondering, what do I need to do to grow myself as a person or to get a better job? Because I refuse to work at Starbucks, for the rest of my life and rely on their benefits to just live. I've also had some coworkers in the past that were truly real adults and I didn't want to be in their position when I was their age. And now looking back at it, I can tell you now from experience that I was sweating way harder than I should have because at the end of the day, I was going for a degree and I was going to do something with my life in the end. But let me tell you, in the moment, you still feel helpless. And if you're feeling that helpless in the moment, I'm hoping that this message can at least reach you somehow, so that you can maybe start investing in yourself today. Because all it takes is the commitment that you make to yourself, and as soon as you do that, the future is yours. Just like the stock market always has gone up in the long run, if you invest in yourself day in and day out, you too will grow in the long run. Because let me tell you something, three and a half years ago, that 20 year old kid had zero belief that at some point in the future, that I would have grown this much. Because in the summer of 2018, when I started that job, I started it with a different mindset, that this was the last time I was ever gonna be rehired by Starbucks again. And I made that a mission. And not only did I make it a mission, I made a plan. The plan I made was to save and budget until I had more money in my checking account than I ever did at any moment in my life up until that point which I'll fully disclose for me personally up until that moment was right around the end of high school and I had about 5k in my checking account by working at my first Starbucks job and just being a kid having no expenses. I knew this was going to be a long-term goal because in reality, the most I've ever made from Starbucks in one month was about $1,200. And that's if I was working a lot, which I normally wouldn't because I always split it with school. And since I had this long-term goal, I needed to keep myself honest somehow. So I thought back to all the lessons I've learned in accounting and business and thought, what should I do if I wanted to treat myself as a company here? And then for the next two months, I quite physically tracked myself like I was a corporation. I actually made myself personal balance sheets, a personal income statement, and I attempted to do a personal statement of cash flows before I realized, what are you even trying to do? You're not a real business. But for the two months I did all this BS, it actually helped me see something. It helped me see all of the inflows and outflows and how I was truly spending my money. It also made me start thinking, is there a way to do this better? Is there a way to make money more efficiently? And it was actually that summer of 2018 that I got interested in investing. Because I knew that was the answer to how could you make money more efficiently and easier and smarter. I guess one could finally say that the gears inside my head were starting to turn. And it's about time, considering I was studying accounting for so damn long. But just because the gears were turning did not mean that this wasn't going to be a long-term plan anyways. Because now that I've lived the journey and reached my destination, I can tell you that it took me about two and a half years from the time I got the job at Starbucks in summer to get my first entry-level business position. 
which was working for the state as a student assistant, and then eventually I promoted to full-time because I worked really well there. But this isn't going to be a success story of how I got from broke to there. Instead, this is going to be a story of what I did while I was in that broke mindset, what I did when I felt helpless, and what you can do if you're feeling the same way too. The three biggest things that helped me during that phase was teaching myself how to self-budget, learning how to actually save and not spend money on what you want, but what you need, and then the last thing that was the most important thing was just learning to invest in myself. So I'll quickly go over the first two, which is budgeting and saving, and I'll try and give you as much information that is actually valuable to this. So let's start off with budgeting first, since it's the only thing you can truly control. You can never control how much money you bring in, but you can always control how much money you put out, to a certain degree. Eventually, if you're stuck in huge debt, it feels like you don't have control, but you still at the end of the day know exactly what money is going to be coming out because you can't know exactly what's coming in. And once you as a person know what your costs are, life is going to be so much easier, trust me. And I'm not talking about the small costs like, oh, you got some gas station snacks and all that. I'm talking about the real stuff that matters. The stuff that you pay no matter what, every single month. In the accounting world, we call that a fixed cost. And in my honest opinion, the one thing that matters the most when you're budgeting is to know what your fixed costs are. Because that's something that you're going to have to pay no matter what, every single month. The variable costs... Those can be changed, and if you notice that one month you went out too much, you can maybe cut it back the next month, if you need to financially. Now examples of fixed costs aren't actually too hard to find. Bills, rent, and anything that normally has the same monthly recurring charge can be viewed as a fixed cost. But I want to give you an example of what I viewed as a fixed cost when I was a 20 year old that only had a few bills on his hand. So at 20 years old, the only bills I really had to pay were the phone and car bill. So you can see how if I wanted to include that as a fixed cost, I really wouldn't have much. And if I wanted to, I would include my Netflix account or any other subscription services along. But still, that didn't give me a great representation of what I was spending each month. So I didn't really have a number. So instead, what I decided to do was break a few accounting rules and treat some variable costs as fixed costs. But I made some underlying assumptions to it. I decided to treat gas and my restaurant expenses as fixed costs. And I viewed restaurant costs as anything to going out with friends or eating fast food. What I did by looking at my credit card statements was I realized that I filled up on gas a minimum of two times a month. So I figured if I take the average gas price I pay and multiply it by two, that can be included as a fixed cost. Because if I actually want to drive around and get around places, that's something that I need to pay every month. And since I found out through my credit card statements that I always paid at least twice for gas a month, I figured why not include this as a fixed cost, that way I already assume I'm paying this in the month. Determining the restaurant expenses, however, was not as easy. What I did instead was just look at the total restaurant expenses I had for the whole year, and then divide it by the number of months I've added up for. Then I got my average monthly restaurant expense, and I decided to add that as a fixed expense. Now this is a big no-no in accounting because that's a huge variable expense. But on a personal level, it actually helped because by adding the gas and restaurant expenses as fixed costs, I was able to keep track 
of anywhere between 50 to 80% of my costs. And this helps a lot. If you know exactly what you're going to be spending every month, or roughly every month, then you know when you're getting your paychecks, how much of it actually is going to go towards your monthly cost. And then once you know roughly how much you're going to be spending every month, at least in fixed costs, let me tell you, life will get so much easier for you. And in terms of the variable costs, I wouldn't sweat it too much. Because the variable stuff is what it is. It varies. One month you might be in the shitter, and the next month you might be fine. But as long as you know how much you owe every month, you should be okay. And then this takes me to my second point, which is saving. Once you know your costs, saving becomes so much easier because now you actually have a goal on what to save. I'll give you a good example. From off the top of my head, what I can remember about two years ago, I believe my fixed costs were something around $500 a month. So that meant if I was lucky enough to get a $1,200 Starbucks paycheck, I'd be lucky to get $700 by the end of the month of it. And that doesn't even include my variable expenses, which are stuff I spend for fun. But regardless, I was still able to know that arbitrary number that I was trying to save above. You see, I knew that for every dollar I saved above $500 was money I could either save or spend for fun. And once you start seeing things that way, I promise you, you will start to grow not only yourself, but your finances as well. And one of the biggest tips I can give you on saving is one that Warren and many others have used before. In order to save, you buy what you need and you don't what you want. So in order to save, you buy your needs and you don't buy your wants. At least until you're sitting comfortably financially. Then every now and then you can spoil yourself on a rendezvous. Now the two lessons on budgeting and saving are great, but they only help you financially. And at first, it can be a slow and tedious process. But the one thing that helps you more than just financially and helps you as a person is self-investing. And that's the last point I wanted to touch on. So what do I mean by self-investing? Well, I'm going to leave it as a loaded term on purpose so that it's up to you to decide what it means. But what I think self-investing means is exactly what it states. Investing in yourself. And I don't mean those self-care days. I mean truly investing in yourself, learning something new, doing something that's great for your body even if you don't want to do it at first. Invest in yourself by starting healthier habits. I want you to drop the habits that you know you don't want to have in the future. And you know yourself better than anyone, so I know exactly that you know the answer to that. And if you're struggling to find out that answer or you just really don't want to be truthful to yourself, ask yourself this question. If you were able to look the future you in the eyes, what would you want them to be like? What accomplishments would you want them to tell you? And most importantly, what life advice would you want them to give you so that you can wind up being exactly in that same position? It was this question that was running through my 20-year-old little mind that eventually helped me gain the confidence not only to invest, not only to grow, Not only to read, not only to strive and continue to learn, but to start a podcast and to actually tell you guys financial advice. This stuff is crazy because when I was 20 years old, the thought of investing scared me. And here I am, four years later, 
thinking I can do it and be a portfolio manager. I mean, anything in the world is possible. You see, the answer to my 20-year-old's question at that time was I wanted to be in a better position to help people. And every step I've taken along the way since then, I'm taking in order to achieve that goal. Because let me tell you something, folks. There was a time when that 20-year-old kid did not give a shit about an earnings call. He definitely didn't give a shit about getting up at 6.30 in the morning just to see what the market opens at. And I can promise you 100% that back then, I would not have given a shit about you. But I like to think that I've grown since then. Because ever since that moment, that defining moment of nearly going broke, I've learned a lot of life lessons. And I've also learned what it feels like to be helpless and to have zero control. And let me tell you folks, it does not feel good at all. And I'm not here to tell you that I'm going to fix and solve all these problems. But what I will tell you is that the more you invest in yourself, the closer you get to these answers, the closer you get to the solution. And then finally, you'll feel less weight on your shoulders. Personally, this is what I've experienced by investing in myself first, and then eventually I found out how to invest in the market. But first, invest in yourself. The way I self-invested was simple at first. I just started eating healthier. I ate less junk food. And then eventually, it led to me working out more and being more active. And then after that, you just start searching for more and more things to grow yourself. For me, the biggest change I did in my life was learn how to garden. That was the first thing I did outside of my comfort zone. And it was the one thing I'd never understood. But look at me now, five years after gardening, I have a bit of a green thumb. It was just about two years ago, August of 2019, that I started investing. Look at where I am at now. Opening up a podcast, not only because I think I've made significant gains, but because I feel like I understand some components of the market, and I want to relay it to you in a way. But that's not the point I'm getting to. What I'm getting to is, this podcasting thing is brand new to me. I'm trying all these new things because I want to grow as a person. And I know that if I can do it, you can do it too. It just all depends on if you want to. Because I can tell you everything I know about saving and how to budget and what stocks to pick, but if you don't invest in yourself and you don't care for yourself, then this is all for naught and it doesn't really matter. Because if you don't really love yourself, then you're not going to want a future. And I want you to want the best future for you possible. And that starts with you starting to invest in yourself today, whichever way you see that fit. Whether it's walking in your neighborhood, putting down that one bad habit, or just even as simple as eating healthier. It doesn't matter. Whatever you need to do to take care of your body. And trust me, as soon as you start seeing that, you will not only see personal growth, but you'll want to grow more. It's just like a plant that grows underneath rocks. The growth life at first is going to be hard, but trust me, once the plant surfaces, this shit's going to be so easy. Well class, I hope I taught you a more important lesson today than the stock market, Warren Buffett, or Peter Lynch himself, or for that matter of fact, any other future lessons. I think this lesson is going to hold the most importance of them all, because if you invest in yourself, you will start seeing the true value of investing in the markets. 
because when you start seeing the gains you get in investing in yourself, it'll only make you wonder what happens if financially I start investing myself in the markets as well. But until you're ready to do that, make sure you find out yourself first and make sure that saving and budget-wise, you are financially ready to invest in these markets. If not, it's not a problem to hold off. I waited four years before you were able to hear my lovely voice. So I'm sure you can wait a couple years too if you need to. Until next lesson class, ape out. Have a good day, y'all.